Our first reading today comes from Leviticus chapter 19. Listen now to God's word to us from Holy Scripture. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. And you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. And you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus continues his Sermon on the Mount, teaching his followers more about the Kingdom of God. <coughs> his teachings, again, are built on Torah law. In the old ways, the law allowed people to impose punishment that exactly mirrored the offense. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth and so forth. These were the teachings that Moses brought down from God when he went up to Mount Sinai to receive God's commandments. Now if we compare the scene where Moses communes with God to the one in which Jesus teaches the people, we see huge differences. God tells Moses that anyone except Moses who dares to set foot on the mountain should immediately be killed by stoning or shot with arrows. The laws God gives in Exodus are stern and allow little flexibility. 
God at this point is remote and inflexible. Jesus, in contrast, gathers the everyday people around him, tells them stories, gives examples, and lays out the law of love and self-sacrifice that will prevail in God's kingdom. So listen now again to God's word for us from Holy Scripture, from Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and your sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. This must be one of the hardest commandments that Jesus gave his followers, that we should love our enemies. Unlike much of the world where armed conflict is a horrific daily reality, most of us here in the U.S., don't have to face terrifying enemies when we step outside our homes. I say most of us because there are inner-city neighborhoods that have many similarities with actual war zones. In occupied Palestine at the time of Jesus, enemies were ever-present. Jesus mentioned day-to-day problems that were familiar to everyone listening to him. Jesus' followers were people from all walks of life. Among them, people from the peasant classes, day laborers and small farmers who lived a subsistence lifestyle, eking out a living day by day to keep a roof over the family's head and to put food on the table. These poor people, poor in every sense of the word, were required to pay three levels of taxes from their meager crops. 
they paid the Romans. Not much you could do about those taxes if you wanted to live. They paid taxes to Herod, who was a cruel despot. No way to avoid these taxes either. And they were supposed to tithe to the temple. And these taxes could potentially be avoided without fear of actual physical harm. Oppressive as all these taxes were, the presence of Roman soldiers in everyday life must have been so hard to bear. I imagine much like the constant presence presence of the Germans in occupied countries of Europe during World War II, much like the terrible reality of gang members in inner city areas today. An unpredictable force who could ruin your life or that of your family in a heartbeat. In some areas, the enemy was right there on the streets of villages and towns or marching along the highways and byways to get from one town to another. A Roman soldier was highly disciplined and had rules to follow, but some of these rules allowed them to compel local people to perform certain tasks at will. One of these hated tasks was called impressment. This is what Jesus is referring to when he tells his followers that they should go the additional mile when they are compelled to go one mile. When a soldier was traveling by foot, he could require a local person to carry his heavy pack for a distance of one Roman mile, or 1,000 steps. So, here comes our local subsistence farmer, leaving work after a day of back-breaking toil in the unforgiving sun, ready for a meal and some rest in the cool of his humble home. He sees a lone soldier coming towards him, on the road in the opposite direction. His heart sinks. The soldier is carrying his heavy pack of provisions and is also looking very tired. The law allows it, so our soldier compels our peasant farmer friend to carry his burden for a mile. Can you imagine the resentment that you would feel compounded by exhaustion, the powerlessness, the humiliation of being asked to carry this burden in addition to all the burdens a poor farmer already has to carry. What would it do to your heart, to your peace of mind, to be abused in this way? And of course, This is what the Romans wanted. It was easier to dominate a people who were broken, resentful, fighting among themselves because their spirits were crushed, with little or no energy left to plot to overthrow the occupying forces. 
So this poor, hungry farmer trudges along, trying to keep up with this strong, well-fed soldier as he carries his pack, with every step growing weaker and feeling more misused. So Jesus tells the people that they should love this enemy, a real-life, powerful day-to-day enemy. Jesus tells his followers up here on the hilltops that they should not stop at one mile when required to carry a soldier's burden, but that they should insist on carrying that pack a second mile. What would that look like? Now, one was supposed to carry the pack a thousand paces, roughly the equivalent of our modern-day mile, I doubt there were mile markers on the road. So our peasant farmer is likely keeping track of every step, counting his paces to 100 ten times over. And then he turns to the soldier and says, I'll carry it another mile if you like. Suddenly our peasant farmer is no longer humiliated and crushed. But he is once again a dignified person in control of his own actions. He can claim to recognize the heavy burden of the Roman soldier, acknowledging his humanity along with his own. He is a full person who refuses to be oppressed by the more powerful soldier. As he acknowledges the soldier's need, he forces the soldier to recognize and consider the peasant's own personhood. His actions say, you can think that you're oppressing and controlling me, but I have inner resources in the form of the God of all goodness and all power that will allow me to shoulder your burden along with my own. By dignifying himself, by calling on God and refusing to be beaten down, the peasant farmer shows his love for his enemy, the soldier. Walking that extra mile together, might they begin to talk about themselves a little? Might they share their family situations? The soldier might tell of his lovely wife and three pretty children far away for so long now in Rome. The farmer might tell of the difficulty of providing for his wife and many children on such a small plot of land. After just a short time, surely the soldier would say, hand the pack back to me now and go home to your family. You must be tired. Now this is not to idealize or romanticize in any way physical or emotional abuse by one person towards another. 
relationship abuse is always wrong and must be ended. Indeed, an abusive person maintains a pattern of abuse by convincing his or her partner that they are at least in part responsible for the abuse because they were simply not a good enough partner. Turning the other cheek does not mean agreeing to be abused. Relationship abuse differs from systemic oppression in that the abused partner can and should leave to find help. With systemic abuse, on the other hand, where laws favor one group over another, Jesus' commandments offer individuals a way of keeping their own hearts pure and uncorrupted by resentment while offering love to the person who represents the enemy. Even in situations of abuse within relationships, it is possible still to love the abusive one as a child of God who him or herself is deeply hurting, likely because of childhood trauma of their own. According to Jesus, the desire for vengeance breeds only hatred and anger. In contrast, love conquers hatred. By turning the other cheek, by going the extra mile, you are humanizing everyone, yourself included. Hitting someone is a dehumanizing act. But refusing to be dehumanized radically changes the situation. The abuser has to actually consider his or her act of violence. The abused one says, I am a person. Recognize this and then strike me again if you want to lower yourself further. So, says Jesus, we are supposed to love the very people who hurt us and wish us harm. Now, if we live quiet and peaceful lives, which I suspect many of us here in this congregation do, it may be hard for us to pinpoint someone we would regard as an enemy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe your mind leaps immediately to a situation from the past or the present where you do regard someone as your enemy. If there's no one in your own life, I'm guessing you know someone who has been deeply hurt by the actions of another. So I would ask you to take a moment, close your eyes if you like, and bring this person to mind. Probably there was a time when you knew this person in a more positive light, but maybe not. Try to find some small thing about this person that you can love. If this is too painful, that's okay. Just let it go. Sometimes loving someone 
means allowing the hurts of the past to stay in the past. But if you do feel still some deep-seated anger, it's good to be aware of that because it may be preventing you from moving forward in your life to that perfect place that Jesus says we can and should aspire to attain. As you think of this person, try to feel that small piece of perfection that comes with loving someone you regard as your enemy. Continue to hold that same person in your mind as I speak this beautiful prayer written by the 11th century Benedictine monk Anselm of Canterbury. It's a prayer for enemies. Let us pray. Almighty and tender Lord Jesus Christ, just as I have asked you to love my friends, so I ask the same for my enemies. You alone, Lord, are mighty. You alone are merciful. Whatever you make me desire for my enemies, Give it to them and give the same back to me. If I ever ask for them anything which is outside your perfect rule of love, whether through ignorance, weakness, or malice, good Lord, do not give it to them and do not give it back to me. You who are the true light, lighten their darkness. You who are the whole truth, correct their errors. You who are the incarnate word, give life to their souls. Tender Lord Jesus, let me not be a stumbling block to them, nor a rock of offense. My sin is sufficient to me without harming others. I, a slave to sin, beg your mercy on my fellow slaves, let them be reconciled with you and through you reconciled to me. Amen. <clears throat>